Greetings, internet friends. I'm Riley. And I'm Miyabi. Welcome to Smoke and Science, the podcast brought to you by our team at Smoke and All, where two PhD scientists break down the facts of cannabis science and how you can apply it to your everyday life. Today's episode is all about topicals. Topicals refers to a way of using products and delivering active ingredients by putting them on your skin. I make my own topicals and I've studied topicals during graduate school, specifically CBD topicals and how different ways of making topicals with different ingredients affects how deep in your skin the active compounds permeate. I've also made my own topicals and used topicals to provide very localized relief for a variety of conditions, which I'm going to talk about more during the episode. Uh, our team has been studying and formulating topicals using our smoke and all products, and the feedback we've been getting is amazing. And we're so excited to share these products with you. So if you haven't checked it out, go to our website, which is www.profoundnaturals.com. So thanks for joining us, and let's dive into this episode. Here's the skinny on topicals. Smoking Science, nothing but the facts about our favorite plant. So we talk a lot about smoking cannabis and the pharmacology of cannabis smoke, and that's because that's our research topic. But today's episode is going to be focused entirely on a different method that both of us feel is undervalued and often underappreciated. And it's a really, really interesting and unique uh, method of administration for cannabis, and that is topicals. Yeah, so we're going to talk about, you know, why topicals work for some people, talk about the skin, which is why this episode's called The Skinny on Topicals. Um, and yeah, I think it can be it can be really enlightening to use topicals because you can almost feel it immediately in some cases. And that's not always the case with other cannabis products. So it's kind of like, I always tell people if they don't really believe in natural products to use witch hazel, if they have um, itchy skin, uh, if you spray witch hazel on your skin, if you have like bug bites or some sort of other itch, you can immediately feel the relief from the itch. It just disappears. And it's almost like, it's almost like witchcraft. Here I'm specifically talking about the tannins found in witch hazel bark that are used as an anti-itch remedy. The fun fact here is that witch hazel does not mean witch as in witchcraft. The word is actually derived from a German word meaning pliant or bendable because the witch hazel branches were used to find underground water. Yeah, I feel like um, with witch hazel, that cooling effect that you can sense and actually that's like that's a challenge with cannabis topicals is that you can't actually feel um anything cooling or heating it's not going to be like icy hot or like saloon pass or anything so there's not like a, an immediate effect unless like the topical has something added to it um in terms of like an immediate cooling or heating effect but you can feel a almost immediate relief from topicals and it's because um topicals when they are applied you know you're absorbing them directly through your skin and you're adding all of those cannabinoids all of those active molecules directly to a very very localized area um topicals essentially are anything that gets absorbed through the skin that you put on your skin so like the most common topicals people know about are like acne 
medication or like retinol. Oh, great. Yeah, definitely. We should talk about what is a topical before we just dive into topicals. But yeah, it's, um, it's something that you apply to your skin. So you can, as you as Miyabi saying, like you can apply it to a specific area that you have some sort of issue with. And you can locally apply that medicine or those active ingredients right to that area. And, and the different compounds that you're adding, have different chemistry. So some of them will go through your skin easier and some will go through more difficultly and kind of just sit on the top. Riley, you're going to like this one. Um, Another topical that people are familiar with is sunscreen. And that's a very visual, I I say that because Riley is very pro pro sunscreen. (laughs) I'm just like, I don't like getting burnt and I get burnt so easily. So I usually try to just wear a lot of clothing when I'm outside to prevent sunburn. But if I'm going to be outside all day, I got to wear sunscreen or I get like anxiety over my my burn. Like I'm worried. I'm just like, like frying myself outside. But if you've ever like missed a spot when you're applying sunscreen, you can it's clear that you can see if you've missed a spot, you get burnt in that location right so that's a location where the topical was was not absorbed and you know didn't reach um you know didn't reach it so then you didn't get that effect and similarly with cannabis topicals like when you're applying it to an area like i the number one thing i always say with cannabis topicals is to apply it more often than you think you should apply it and to apply it like generously like all over the place because I think a lot of people try cannabis topicals. Um, first of all, they're usually pretty expensive and a lot of them are created using isolates, which we're going to get into later. Um, so, you know, you use it like once and then you don't see an effect or maybe you put a little bit on and then, you know, you're wondering whether or not it did anything and then you're like, okay, it didn't really work. Um, but there are ways that you can use it in ways that you can test it that it would tell you more about it, which is what we hope to go into. Uh, but first, I think we should talk about why cannabis topicals make a lot of sense. And that's because the endocannabinoid system is in your skin. It's all over the place. Yeah, it's it's in multiple layers of your skin and these different parts of your skin. Um, and just like the rest of your body, it is just ubiquitous, meaning it's everywhere. It's ubiquitously expressed. The endocannabinoid system is everywhere. So if you're putting it on your skin, you're interacting with CB1 and CB2 receptors, along with some of these other um, peripheral things related to the endocannabinoid system. But you have endocannabinoids that are made in, from the cells in your skin. So it is integral for the health of your skin to have those endocannabinoids there. And just how we take cannabis in, inside of our bodies to supplement our endocannabinoid system, we can add the cannabinoids from the cannabis plant on your skin to supplement that endocannabinoid system. It's a really direct way of activating those receptors that otherwise I, I am not positive uh, that these receptors on the skin get significant levels of cannabinoids when you smoke or when you eat edibles. Because if you think about it, both smoking and edibles are absorbed and then they're in in the blood. Uh, With smoking specifically, it gets absorbed and goes like right to the brain. Um, I'm not sure that it reaches the CB1 receptors in the skin in high enough concentrations to cause the same effects. I'm positive that topicals will be a larger concentration of cannabinoids right, right there on the skin. And um, as Riley said, like, it's it's everywhere on the skin, but also, like, the skin is the largest organ in the body. Like, we don't think about the skin as often. Like, we think about it maybe as, like, a wrapper. Is that a weird 
Is that a weird? Oh yeah, I mean, I think of it as just like a fat bubble wrapper, okay. or whatever. Yeah, it's it's the protective layer between us and the outside. The skin is so important. Like our our skin can say a lot about our health, right? And our skin's interaction with the environment and the universe it makes a huge, huge difference. Like an example for a lot of the things that. Um, are like indicators of health with skin. You know, like if you have eczema or if you have psoriasis or if you have shingles, um, all of these and and other like related inflammatory disorders in the skin, they are affected by your mental health and vice versa. They affect your mental health. So there's like this two-way street. Um, And then also um, in terms of like the skin on the outside, so the skin that, as we're talking about topicals, we're talking about the skin on like our arms and our legs and our our head and our and our bodies, but that there's another layer um, of interacting with cannabis that is what's called epithelial cells. That's those are skin cells are called epithelial cells, and that's in your GI tract. So we know that cannabis has tons of benefits for this specifically for the, just this type of of cell that is your your skin cell and by reducing inflammation in general is super beneficial there is it even though you're applying the the like topical to your outside of your skin there is a relationship between the outside of your skin and those receptors being activated and then it transmits a signal back you know, to your body. And we're just in the very beginning stages of, of understanding that and understanding like what that two way street looks like. Yeah. And I just want to like reiterate your point that so many people think of the skin as an inactive structure, like a dormant inactive structure that just kind of surrounds us. And it's like the squishy little barrier to the rest of the world. Um, But it is highly active in itself. I mean, the skin is the source of producing some hormones. And as we mentioned, endocannabinoids, it has its own immune system. It's our largest sensory organ. It's incredibly important for like protecting us and everyday life. And um, we can manipulate that in some ways by adding things externally. Um, And I always say this when we talk about topicals, but the integrity of your skin also helps determine how well a topical is going to work. So if you never moisturize or you have a lot of like lacerations or you have cuts or if you have um, some other skin disorder in some way, if you're adding topicals, if we remember like the goal of the endocannabinoid system is to bring back balance. So for people who have different things going on in their skin, that bringing back balance might mean different things. If you have really itchy skin, um, maybe when you add a topical, it helps with itch, but it doesn't help with something else because it's focusing on one molecular pathway that is the most dysregulated. Um, So it's just, if you take care of your skin too, and then you can add topicals on top of that, like with active ingredients, you can kind of help target exactly uh, what you're trying to do with that topical by reducing some of the other things that might be going on. That's such an important point about just like skin health overall and just paying attention to this health because, you know, we are here to talk about cannabis science and cannabis topicals. Um, But in general, just cannabis is a tool. It's a really, really important tool that we can use for health and wellness. At the same time, it is only one piece of this tool. And I think one of the most powerful things about all natural products and plant medicines are how they kind of can be integrated into like this whole lifestyle that 
can be supportive in in multiple ways. And yeah, like the being able to start using a topical thinking about it. I mean, in most most topical cannabis products are moisturizing in, in like in themselves because they are made with a base that is moisturizing. So you can like start with that and then continue experimenting. I mean, thinking about um, the skin as an organ and like you're saying, like this active this active thing. Um, you can tell when something is off with your body, the skin is one of the indicators. And for some people who are hypersensitive, like if you have a hypersensitive brain, you will also have hypersensitive skin. Like I am really sensitive to dyes and fragrances. Like they, certain ones give me like severe allergic reactions. I'm also very sensitive to, um, to plant secondary metabolites, right? People who are allergic to grass, if you like, touch grass or touching um like i'm trying off the top of my head like i'm like siberian squill which i'm not sure many people know what that looks like but it's siberian squill is this little blue star-shaped plant that i love i think it's gorgeous it's one of the first things to bloom in the spring and i love it but i probably shouldn't grow it in my garden (laughs) given how sensitive i am to to whatever that plant is making. I haven't, um, you know, there's not a lot of studies on what it makes. We know that it's poisonous, but um, we don't know like what exactly it is that I'm sensitive to. And that's something that's common with people. So, you know, it's something to think about that if you have really sensitive skin, um, that by treating like, like with cannabis topicals, you can help to like reduce, you could think about it in the same way that it works in the brain. If you have highly sensitive skin, you're likely to have other sensitivities because this, this sensitivity has to do with it. Yes. It's the receptors in your skin. Those are the same receptors that are in your brain. Um, and then they talk to one another. So if you're really, really sensitive in your skin and you're really, really sensitive in your brain, you could think about cannabis topicals in the same way that you think about using cannabis products to help with that sensitivity. Um, Cannabis reduces a ton of like auditory hypersensitivity for me and, and like physical soft touch sensitivity um, in my brain through smoking and eating it. But topicals can help reduce that inflammation and sensitivity at the actual site of action because they're just, those molecules pass right over. And as Riley mentioned, like, the different molecules will absorb differently depending on your skin and different types. But like in general, cannabinoids absorb like fairly well over most fatty um, barriers. So it's in terms of like topicals being like, I've heard people just say that topicals are a complete, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a ripoff. And I disagree, but that's from, I disagree because I think that there's molecular mechanism behind it. And then I also have personally, you know, benefited a, a ton from it. Um, and and also because we know that there are CB1 receptors in the skin ev- everywhere. And uh, we're kind of at a benefit with cannabis that most like active natural products aren't as fatty as the compounds in cannabis. So we're kind of at this advantage where um, when we apply them on our skin, you know, I mentioned we are like a giant fat bubble because we're made of membranes and all those membranes are made of fatty molecules. So we have a fatty molecule trying to get through fatty molecules. And that goes a lot easier because like dissolves like, right? Uh, Think of that same concept of a a like molecule can go through membranes a lot easier than than a molecule that is not fat loving it maybe it has a lot of 
parts of the molecule that like water better than fat. So it's going to be, it's not going to go through those membranes as easily. And that's why often you see a lot of cannabis products formulated as creams because creams or salves, both of these um, are formulated with like a fatty base. So if we have a fatty base and then we add in our active ingredient, which is cannabinoids, we have a fatty compound going into a fatty base and it should just kind of go in pretty easily. Whereas if we had a more water loving compound, we might have to use something else to um, get that into the fatty uh, base, or maybe we'd have to use a water base instead of a fatty base. So that would be a gel instead of a cream or a salve. So the gels are water-based and water-like molecules will go into the gels a lot easier um, than the vice versa. And I think that when we're talking about getting them across these barriers, we also should mention that topicals in general don't penetrate deeper than the skin. Um, so a question is like, do topicals make you feel high? Um, I have qualitatively heard of some people specifically using huge amounts of topicals on areas of the body that have um, really direct, at, at, like direct routes to the brain. So like your spinal cord, your neck. Um, like your your neck and down your back and your spinal cord. I have heard people experience that um, absorption. Actually, Shango, who is a guest on our podcast, has said he's experienced it on his hands even. Um, but this is mm. this is using tons of really really con you know really really concentrated stuff. If you want to check it out, I'm pretty sure we talked about it on Shango's podcast, which is called Shaping Fire and is another excellent cannabis education podcast. Um, in general, topicals will not penetrate deeper than that skin level, and so they should not make you feel high um, or altered at all. Although perhaps you would feel more relaxed because you're activating these CB1 receptors in your skin. And there's tons of them. Like actually, literally everywhere you have a hair follicle, whether or not there's hair or not, like our bodies have tons of like little teeny, teeny hairs, right? Some of us have thicker hair than others, but every place on your skin that you have a hair follicle, which I don't know, that's once, it's like once every like millimeter or something. It's, it's a lot. Um, you have a whole patch of CB1 receptors down there and they control the overall health and wellness of your skin. And if you're activating those, they're sending that message. They're, they're interacting and talking to the rest of the body. And I certainly feel like topicals can have a huge effect uh, for a number of reasons because, because of that, because of the skin having this secondary, you know, messaging like system that goes through it. And then also because the skin is such a, um, when it's not comfortable, when you have a skin issue, it is, it is an issue. I mean, that's why you don't like sunburns. I'm assuming I, I don't get sunburn. In I, mean, I guess I should be grateful of that. Yeah. And, and I, I do, um, I don't know if any of the listeners have ever tried to make their own sunscreen, but I like to use my own sunscreen a lot too. That's made with zinc oxide. Um, just cause I don't know if anyone has read that sunscreen paper that came out that said like the majority of compounds, the small molecules in the sunscreen, um, go to your bloodstream. Did oh. you read that paper? I did not. We should link it. Yeah, it, it was by um, JAMA. It was JAMA, a Journal of American Medical Association. So very good journal published that. And I was like, oh, my gosh, that's kind of scary. Um, so I do like to make my own. But um, 
I think the best thing you can do for like a sunburn is to just wear a lot of clothes, but then you get really hot. So, uh. so that's really interesting because I'm allergic to most sunscreens and they give me, they give me like a vitiligo type effect. It's, it's a weird, uh, it's a weird thing. My body gets all patchy when I use sunscreen and like my body starts like rejecting making melanin. I don't know. I've never really like explored it a ton. Cause I, we figured it out when I was younger and then I was like, okay, I guess I just won't wear sunscreen. I'll, I'll wear zinc. Um, or nothing. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, you know, the, we, we won't get into this. But then there's the whole issue with the coral reefs, because even like zinc oxide sunscreens still are harmful to coral reefs. So it's, you know, uh, you got to find a good balance there. Or um, some people, you know, a little bit of a sunburn is not harmful to you. It, it can be good, actually. But chronic, like bad sunburns are harmful to your skin. <laughs> Because sun, it's also a titration effect, right? Like in the beginning of the summer, like I should be in the sun. Actually, I got my first sunburn, although <laughs> my wife Lane is like, you never get sunburns. So I think like in comparison to you and, and Lane Riley, like I'm sure it's not even close. But I've had my first discomfort <laughs> of, of sun when I moved here to the East Coast. Um, because the first winter here was the first time that I like wasn't in the sun a ton. And then, uh, spring and summer came around and I was like, yay, you know, and I was like out in the sun for like hours, not even thinking about it. And yeah, I got, so I got red and my skin was felt hot. Like the skin like felt hot to the touch. It is so uncomfortable. Like, like so, so uncomfortable to have a horrible sunburn. Like you can't sleep. Your body's like a little ball of fire, just like sitting in bed. And it's, and I've actually gotten some of my worst sunburns during the winter because you're like, because yeah, because you'll be like ice fishing or something. And then, yeah, you have ice and snow and the sun's just like reflecting off of it and hitting you. And then, yeah, you have like a a terrible sunburn on your face. It's like, whoa. it's almost like a tolerance effect when your skin makes melanin to like protect you from that. Cause like I can get super dark and if I do it in the right way, I'll never get a sunburn because I don't, um, I guess that is the reason why the body produces melanin is to like protect you from that. And anyways, we are like way off topic. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, so let's get, we'll go, we'll stop talking about sunburns. Although we want to do an experiment. Actually, if any of our listeners want to participate in this experiment, please do. We are going to um, apply cannabis topicals and go out in the sun and um, see, because cannabis has a bunch of beneficial effects that has antimicrobial effects, uh, which means that it like, prevents or stops the growth of microbes which are like yeast and mold and bacteria and stuff so and there's a lot of things in cannabis so if you have a topical that's full spectrum or a topical that's contains like you know not made with isolate it contains a lot of different things like homemade ones and stuff there's a lot of stuff in there that has different benefits to the skin yeah like antimicrobial effects and um antioxidant that can definitely help with sunburns or just reactive compound or species in your in your skin although one little bone to pick about antioxidants i see so many papers that are like you know cbd is an excellent antioxidant or this compound is an excellent antioxidant i feel like that's pretty like it's relative because it really isn't an excellent antioxidant it is an antioxidant it has antioxidant potential but it's not an excellent antioxidant like some of the vitamins, vitamin E, C, like those are excellent antioxidants. And it comes back to thinking about antioxidants like in this uh, way that uh, is pharmaceutical where it's like, oh, yes, CBD 
is the antioxidant or whatever. And it's like, okay, yeah, but why not just talk about the whole plant as a whole having like a big mixture of antioxidants present? Um, you know, this is like, it's similar to, it's just the mindset of pharmaceutical sciences, which both of us, you know, come from. We're both formally trained in that. But, you know, that mindset is that we should be taking these natural plants and products and finding like one thing in them that then we like treat um, the skin with. And like, you know, this is something that we've talked about with um, anti, um, oh, why am I blanking on the names? Antibiotics. You know, we've talked about this, about antibiotics. You and I have talked about it a lot. Um, I haven't taken an antibiotic since in, in a really long time because I've treated everything on my body that I have an open wound or a cut with natural antibiotic things. I, one of them being cannabis has antimicrobial activities. Um, I use cannabis topicals. I have a whole protocol. I also just a full disclosure, like I'm not trying to worry people out there, but I, I hurt myself like quite often on, on, on accident. accident. On accident. Okay. Yeah. No, Sorry. wait. Okay. I just, I just, <laughs> yeah, I should have led with that for sure. Um, it's on accident and it's also this thing called proprioception just for awareness. I will, I'll describe it for everyone. Um, proprioception is your body's ability to sense where it is in space. And so when people are walking around, like if you, if you walk through a crowd of people and you're always bumping into people or like hitting your shoulders on people or running into doors, if you are always bumping into things, like your head bumping into things that you think like, I'll go on hikes and it's not like I don't see the branch. It's just that like, I'm not aware that my body in space is going to hit that branch. So I'll just like slam into things all the time. Um, that's called proprioception. It's like your, it is your brain's ability to sense the space that your body takes up. And it's a pretty common sign of neurodiversity to have like poor proprioception or to like not be able to sense that. Um, so that happens. So I have tons of bruises all the time that are unexplained because I'm just always running into things without thinking about it. And then the other thing that happens is uh, I have like, I can't feel like there are certain things that I'm, I'm hypersensitive to. And then there are certain things that I'm hyposensitive to, um, which means that I don't feel them on my skin and on my body. And so I end up just like having random, like burn burns are something that I've talked about, like at length, right? Like I don't feel heat the way that most people should. Like I have like full blown, like making cookies, like knelt with like all of my weight on an oven door and like not felt it like a, like, you're like a regular, I shouldn't say regular, like a, a properly functioning endocannabinoid system on the skin. Um, and, or maybe not endocannabinoid. It could be TRPV, which is, you know, part of the endocannabinoid will sense heat and like immediately reflexively, like pull your body away from that heat. Like you don't even think about it. You're just like, Whoa, that's hot. And you like pull your hand away. Um, I've never gotten a first degree burn in my entire life because my body doesn't sense heat until it gets to the second layer of skin. And so like that happens and I don't know where I was going with this. Oh, I was going that I use topicals <laughs> on, on everything. I use cannabis. To I have a whole regimen for each type of thing that happens to, like injury. Um, and I mean, whether or not this is placebo, this is just like an N equals one experiment, but you know, we'll go in, we, like, we should go into like every single one of them because there's a molecular mechanism for why it helps heal every single one of these things. And you know, we, 
we know it's safe and effective for a lot of things. So if you're going to try something, um, I think trying a cannabis topical makes a ton of sense, um, regardless of what the skin issue is, because testing things on the skin is really hard. Um, uh, we don't have a lot of data for a lot of skin stuff, specifically because a lot of pharmaceuticals are not formulated for the skin. And that's not where a lot of research goes. It goes towards oral administration routes of medicine. So we don't usually explore the skin as a active way of administrating a compound. So then we don't explore it as that way, but we also have pretty limited ways of testing things on the skin too, of really understanding because again, everyone's skin is different. So we usually start the drug discovery process. You know, we're, we're seeing, okay, is this a, is this, could this be used as a supplement or a drug? We need to test this in what we call some in vitro assays. So in vitro, meaning like in a test tube, in a laboratory, not in an animal, not in a human. So to do these tests, um, and I should actually preface this with saying I studied hemp topicals in graduate school and I've done these tests and they're, they're pretty cool, but they're super limited on what information they give you. Uh, but there's really two that I have done. And the first one is called PAMPA. PAMPA is an acronym. It's the Parallel Artificial Membrane Permeability Assay. It's a mouthful. But essentially, you have two. Let's stick with PAMPA. Yeah, we'll stick with PAMPA. <laughs> so you have uh, two well plates that you have stacked on top of each other. And in between them, you have this little membrane. And the membrane is meant to simulate whatever membrane you're trying to to show the, the the test for. So you could have one for the skin, the gut, the brain, whatever. So I was doing this with the skin. Then you put your active ingredients on the top and then you see after your assay is done or after your test is done, you look for those compounds if they could go through that membrane and if they're present in the bottom well. So then you would run that through some analytical tests and you could kind of see just high, medium, low, which of these compounds are highly permeable for the, through that membrane, which ones are not permeable, etc. cetera. Uh, a huge limitation here is, again, the skin is really complex. We have active things that are helping things transport through there. We have things that are pushing things back out through the skin. We have receptors. We have other molecules present. And this is a synthetic membrane we're using in the lab. So it is super simplified, and it's not a fantastic representation of how complex the skin is. Is it one layer? Yes. Yeah, so that's another huge difference. I mean, the skin, our skin is made up of many layers. So that specific layer is meant to replicate the stratum corneum, which is the rate limiting step in uh, mm. pe penetration studies. Because the other layers of the skin um, are, they're much more uh, like spread apart, like the cells are more spread apart, they're more fatty, so things go through it easier. But the stratum corneum can kind of be thought of like the blood brain barrier. It's like, that's what keeps things out. So um, that's what that membrane is meant to simulate. And then there's another one that we did, and this one's way more complex and way more expensive, um, like everything in a lab. <laughs> <laughs> like everything. Um, <laughs> Story of our lives. Yeah. So this is called the Fran cell diffusion assay. And this one's really fun to run, though. Essentially, you have like 
like eight or 10 or 12 of these little glass things that look like teapots. So you have a little spout on one side and then you have, again, your uh, simulation membrane on the top. And then you have warm water, which is the temperature of your skin circulating around those little teapots. Mm. So you have a liquid that's inside of the teapot. And then I mentioned you have that membrane. So then you put your formulation. It could be a gel, it could be a cream, or it could be a single compound like just CBD that you would put on the top in some liquid. And then through the spout of the teapot, you would take time point measurements. So I would take it at 30 minutes, 60 minutes, 90 minutes, etc. And then I would run all those samples on some analytical equipment and I would see how that compound got more and more abundant over time. And eventually we could calculate the rate at which that compound can pass through that simulation membrane into the buffer. But again, this is oversimplified. It's not a great representation because we don't have receptors. We don't have other compounds. Now you can purchase membranes that are essentially cutouts from a pig ear. And because of this, they're more representative of the complexity of the human skin. Some people have ethical issues with this and some people just have monetary issues with this because these are extremely expensive to use. Hey everyone, this is Andy again. I should specify that I am not a medical professional in any way, shape or form. I do not have any credentials to be giving any kind of advice at all. And this is just my opinion. So it's important to remind everybody of that constantly, that the whole show, these are all opinions, and we respect the rules and we follow the rules. But it remains true that if you go for a long walk and you're sore, or you work out often, or you sat on the couch for too long because you're a couch potato and your back hurts, like whatever it is, you probably have a use for a topical. When it comes to neuropathy, there are a lot of weird feelings that you can have that are, some are painful, some are just weird. I have a rare neurological disease called HNPP, which stands for hereditary neuropathy with liability to pressure palsy. So if you think about Bell's palsy or cerebral palsy or some sort of palsy and neuropathy, that's kind of the two major symptoms. And pressure causes these things. So like leaning on a bar table for too long on your, on your ulnar nerves in your forearms will make your hands go numb and tingly and feel like you've got bugs crawling all over you or like local acute pain or burning sensations or wetness sensations or coldness sensations like a lot of weird feelings topicals are extremely effective in this category of of neuropathic issues neuropathic pain i've had great success a lot of other people do as well but you know really when it comes down to it when you're talking about cannabis and hemp the first things that come to your mind are not topicals, in, in my opinion anyways. So first, I'm thinking about smoking. Second, I'm thinking about edibles. Both great and helpful and unique in their own ways. But when it comes to topicals, which aren't going to make you feel high or anything like that, they just really work in the affected area. If you hurt your knee, put it on your knee. You don't have to take it and wonder if it's going to help your knee. You just put it on your knee, and you wait, and it should help. And a lot of people feel this way. So it's it's not going to make you high for anyone out there that's concerned. It's not going to make you feel uncomfortable or like you can't drive a car or operate heavy machinery. Let's do a quick review here and we'll get right back to the show. Thanks, everybody.
This review is from Galby. They say, I am so thankful for this breadth of knowledge this crew brings to every episode. It's a great mix of technical discussion slash education and personal stories. I've learned so much, even as an experienced user. Thank you for what you do. Thank you so much, Galby. These reviews are really helpful for us for reaching new people and for sharing our knowledge. Yeah, thank you so much for taking the time to write these reviews. We love to share them with each other at the company, and they seriously make our day. So now we'll hear a quick word from our company who sponsors this podcast, and then it'll be back to talking all about topicals. There are tons of products available, especially in hemp CBD, good ones and bad ones. Many products are made with only CBD, but we know that the plant has hundreds more compounds that have tons of value. And using our unique process, we create unique active ingredients not found in any other products. People have been saying that our products work better than other CBD products that they've tried in the past. Head to profoundnaturals.com to try them for yourself and feel the difference. All right, this section, we're going to talk about ways that we have personally used topicals. These are just our stories. Everyone's bodies are different, so we're not making any claims at all. We're just talking about the theory behind this. Right, like both of us have used topicals and have, I mean, both of us experiment actually a lot on ourselves. And we like to derive (laughs) the N of one slash now, N of two slash N of four, if you include our spouses, um, which we experiment on as well. So like we are just experimenting on ourselves and we are talking about what we believe is the molecular mechanism behind those things um, because we think that it's worth talking about. And actually, in terms of the community, again, like in terms of scientific research on topicals, Riley mentioned it earlier, like there's not there's not a lot. Um, there is some stuff out there, but there's less than what is in the community in terms of people and their experiences. And we're just going to share our personal experiences having slathered topical all over our bodies. <laughs> Actually, and, and that's such a good point. I know we were talking about this earlier, but topicals can also be a great way to use plants that maybe they have like liver toxicity or kidney toxicity or something like that, but they have a lot of other like benefits. You could still use them topically. And obviously um, this is not for every plant. Some are actually very toxic and you should not be putting them on your skin. Um, But some of the like classic medicinal plants we've now found maybe have some sort of toxicity to a certain part of the body. But if you're using them topically, they can still have a lot of benefits without going through your bloodstream and actually being processed by every organ in your body. One example of one of these plants is comfrey or Symphytum officinale. This plant has these alkaloid compounds that have been shown to help stop bleeding. However, when these alkaloids are processed by the liver, it does damage the liver. So it's not suggested that people take comfrey orally, but many people still use it topically. And there's examples of molecules that are used both topically and in um, the bloodstream. Specifically, one for inflammation and for pain is diclofenac. 
diclofenac is a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory um and they it's it's a both a topical as a gel and you can take it as a pill so like it exists all of these combinations exist both like taking something orally like as a pill or in cannabis as an edible or putting it on topically like these are these are options and we're just going to talk through some of the options for for cannabis and you know it has so many benefits because it's anti-inflammatory yep anti-inflammatory um and there's also been um some studies talking about how it is also anti-itch. So that's kind of why I brought up witch hazel in the beginning too, which is interesting because that's mostly mediated through TRPV channels. Um, So you'd think like maybe again, we have another sort of hint at this kind of combination of TRPV channels and CB receptors and how they could be related in way more ways than we think. That's so fascinating because I've noticed that it helps with itching with um, skin, with wound healing. So personal story, this whole section's personal story, but here we go. Um, I have a typical wound closure. So, um, you know, I, I have hypermobility and a piece of hypermobility is having like different uh, collagen in your body. So if anyone's heard of Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, I actually have not been formally genetically diagnosed, but I show all the signs of hypermobility, including uh, really stretchy skin slash velvety feeling skin and a typical wound healing. Because if you think about it, if your skin is a strange, uh, more like gummy, stretchy consistency, it's different uh, to heal that that wound. And that's something that cannabis with the itchiness that I've noticed for sure is that cannabis topicals when, again, one of my regimens, when I hurt myself on accident, accidentally hurting myself, you know, quite often, but when that happens, one of my regimens is the moment that that first layer of um, healing begins to occur, I start using topicals. And if the wound is really large, I'll start using it only on the outside because if anyone, I mean, most people out there have had at least one big uh, scab, like one big scraper, like knee scrape or something, um, you'll notice, or if you've had tattoos, you'll notice that your skin heals from the outside in. So your skin will heal, um, will start healing from the outer layers. And that's why when you get tattoos, having white open space is always nice to have the tattoo breathe. It looks nice, but in addition to looking nice, it helps it heal. Um, because the skin will heal, like if there's a circle part that's uh, that's injured, it'll heal from the outside of that circle inwards of it. And like, you know, the next time that you have uh, any sort of scrape or cut or something, you notice it, you'll see it. The outside of the scabs will also be fully healed and lift away ahead of time. And I've found personally that applying topicals to the outside right there, first of all, it's antimicrobial, antibacterial. I haven't had an infection um, since then. And I generally am prone to skin infections. Uh, it's been an issue of mine for a long time that I just, I'm prone to them maybe because I have, um, atypical wound closure, but I haven't had, you know, maybe I suppose I'll knock on wood here. I haven't had a skin infection from a major injury in years and years since I started doing this, which is, you know, just applying topicals to the outside area. Once there is, um, like once there is sort of like that preliminary uh, healing has 
has occurred, I start to apply that. And then eventually it, it goes to applying the topical all over it. And this is, you know, multiple times a day because topicals um, in general, if you put on a topical, you could think about it as a dose. Like you could think about it as when you're applying that topical as, as a single dose. And um, really one of the issues with topicals that most people have is putting it on once and then that's it. So it's, it's not a big enough dose. I usually will put it on. And the moment that I notice that it's absorbed, I'll put another one on and another one. Yeah. Which, which, which is great to have like on the go options, um, for cannabis topicals, because realistically, if, if it was something like arthritis or something, which is going to be a chronic issue, like for a while, you want to have something handy that you can put on every couple hours every you know whenever you feel like a good regiment would be but not just you know once a day once every other day once a week that's it's really not going to be enough it's like an all the time everything and like yeah no now we're just listing the things that are wrong with my body because I also have arthritis <laughs> in my hands I have preliminary arthritis like I have like the um it's, it doesn't happen to me all the time I'm doing a home renovation right now plus I'm moving so that means that it's flaring up um but I have I have like preliminary arthritis in my hands and for people who also another PSA of that that's when you wake up specifically in the morning usually is when you'll feel it the most for a number of reasons because your body was like sitting and inactive but also because your endocannabinoid levels are the lowest like right before you wake up in the morning and you have like really really stiff joints and really really sore joints um and usually you can start to feel that in your extremities although some people have like different sensitivities and I have arthritis or pre-arthritis whatever it's called before it becomes full-blown arthritis arthritis and I apply topicals to my hands like every moment that I can think of doing it and this is like yeah I see you doing it all the time like yeah in meetings in the office and whatever yeah in meetings yeah I'll take my gloves off in the lab and just put them on and then put my gloves back on like if whenever I can remember to do it because it's an anti-inflammatory arthritis specifically the type that runs in my family or or rheumatoid arthritis which most people have heard before is an autoimmune disorder Uh, rheumatoid arthritis is your body creating inflammatory molecules because it's attacking itself and so bringing down that inflammation it's not a one-time thing like Riley was saying it's like an it's an all the time thing Um, and so you know this applies for the other inflammatory uh, conditions too, like psoriasis and eczema and shingles and um, and po- it, it applies in the same way that uh, inflammation doesn't just go away. And treating with an anti-inflammatory is can be really really helpful. Um, I think one of the ways it's most helpful is like bringing the inflammation down to a level that then your body can start to handle it and start to heal it. Um, but you know that was what my first research uh, lab was focused on in general was anti-inflammatories and the endocannabinoid. Well, it actually was the eicosanoid system, which is one downstream of the endocannabinoid system. So the endocannabinoid system and the eicosanoid system, which happens right downstream of it. Like you could think of it as downstream. When I say downstream, I mean that the endocannabinoids turn into eicosanoids. Um, after so they're super related right very close they're very very close molecular structure and that the eicosanoids are created from the endocannabinoids and this is a well-known inflammatory pathway um, if you've ever taken advil or Aleve, like you've activated this pathway most of the cox inhibitors so that's like celebrec or i i forget i'm forgetting the name of the molecule but it's for arthritis many of these um 
COX inhibitors that are working on what's called a prostaglandin, um, those are part of of this system. And so the endocannabinoid system being upstream of that, you know, it's it's modifying it in a totally different location of this signaling pathway, this very, very complex way that the body handles inflammation. And that applies to so much more than than we think it does. You know, it's uh, it's in your whole body. It's it's everywhere in your whole body. And when it comes to putting it in one location, like in your skin, um, I do think that there's a benefit for my hands specifically, or or just kind of for everywhere. I mean, I've the locations that I've used topicals on the most, I'd say, are my hands, my back, my knees, and then anywhere where I've had like an injury, which usually ends up being like my legs. You know, it's interesting you talk about the prostaglandins, too, because, um, you know, the, the flavonoids in cannabis, canflavins, um, those have been shown to be incredibly potent inhibitors of prostaglandin E2, a lot stronger than a, a lot of the uh, pharmaceutical medications that are also targeting that. The issue with cannabis is usually they're in pretty low quantity, like in the plant. Um, so uh, like isolating a large amount of these, because this is, again, this is like the the traditional pathway of going about drug discovery people are trying to isolate them to make them into like a a drug-like uh compound or topical or edible or something like that but it's just not in high enough abundance and i'm sure they're trying to synthesize it but i think if you could um maintain the presence of those canflavins in your product so like a a full spectrum extract something where you're extracting all the different compounds in cannabis they're very strong molecule molecules so even in small small quantities um they're still like likely to be effective at at least in some way at uh, affecting that system and that inflammatory pathway oh, here we go talking about chemo diversity <laughs> let's oops let's do it <laughs> no seriously like yes they're present in really really small amounts in full spectrum extracts but there's so many other things present at the same time that like yeah totally like what you're saying we're gonna we're gonna have them present in small amounts all the time and then we're also gonna have all of these other molecules present that do affect the system as well um, you know, they affect the receptors, the TRPV receptors, the CB1 receptors, they affect the endocannabinoid enzymes, and they are also likely to be inhibitors of the eicosanoid pathway. Because if the molecules are similar, if they look similar, it only makes sense that all of these similar like-like molecules are interacting in at least some sort of like-like way. And it's, yes, it's like at this point in science, like, and also for us and for our research, like we are not in a place where we can say like, Oh, 100%, which also as scientists, we would never say 100% anything. Um, no. <laughs> but like we're in a position where we don't have enough information to say that that would for sure like cause a synergistic effect for inflammation or that that would for sure cause like a, mecha a mechanistic change that's significant enough because we don't know. Um, but I think that I would say it in my mind that the theory is sound enough that it's likely. Uh, also related, but not, if we ever do figure out this like molecular mechanism synergy pathways, um, I wanna be on a magic school bus, um, like different kind of show where we go into a body and we look at the endocannabinoid system. I think that would be really cool. <laughs>
Oh my gosh, we should definitely reach out to like an animator or something. Right. And be like, make us little like cartoon characters. That would be things. so or, cool. Oh my God, you know what would be the, you know what would be crazy? This is like another crazy thing. Also, Riley and I were like, we should make a movie. <laughs> It would be so cool to do a um, like a museum exhibit. Oh yes, where you walk through it, where you like walk through it, and you. What like, do they conceive. call it? It's not interactive. What's the one when you're like submersive? Is that uh, what it's called? Im- Im- immersive. 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 Yeah. Immersive inside it. Yeah. Let's do an immersive experience. Oh my gosh, that would be so cool. Get a bunch of cool artists to do different parts. To be like, get like some glass blowers. Oh, oh that would make, be like, so really cool. cool like macrophages um, out of glass. Oh, <laughs> and then like, um, and then have like a mixture between like light artists, like with the different lighting, so that you can like change the lighting up to make it look like you know how changing lighting makes everything look oh, crazy cool. Totally, sometimes? that like, would be so cool. Oh man. But lighting would have to be to your standard. I'll let you. I'm willing to be the person to set those standards. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. For those of you who don't know, Riley is very sensitive to specific lighting. Yeah. I mean, I remember during quarantine, I was with my partner's um, parents in their like living or their kitchen area. And they had this one light that was like super bright and right above your head. And I was like trying to be nice but then i was like all right i feel like i'm being interrogated like this is horrible like and i just i just lit like two candles and shut off all the lights and they're like okay and i'm like sorry i just it it just kills the vibe when you have a like extremely bright fluorescent light in your face it's terrible aka light sensitivity i actually yeah. i actually recently replaced the light bulbs in my house so you'll be appreciative of that um, I can't wait with like amber demo. <laughs> yeah, I know it was bad. I'm a, I, I'm aware. Like, it was like this is. We have a lot of lamps because lamps are just like the perfect like corner light where it's like not above your head, but it's still giving that luminescence. Perfect. Yeah, you need like some light. Yes. Yeah. But that's about it. So then that's another. So that's another thing that's an interesting hypersensitivity that correlates. Uh, is that and something that I also know about you, Riley, is that light sensitivity and smell sensitivity go along with headache sensitivity in in general yeah so Um, i get a ton of headaches i've always got a lot of headaches um it's definitely gotten better since i started using cannabis like in a more regular regimen um but i often get these just like like headaches in my temple area that just kind of linger for a very long time sometimes i don't even notice them because i get them a lot so it's just like And then after a while, as it starts getting bad, I'm like, oh, my God, that's actually terrible. But um, this kind of leads into a a new way that I've been using topicals that I actually never talked to anyone who's done this, although I'm sure a bunch of people do this. Um, I was actually in a meeting with Miyabi and Andy, and I had a topical stick next to me. And I had this little bit of a lingering headache, so I just took it and I put it on my temples and just like massaged it in for a second. So just side note, when you massage it in, you're like creating heat and like a little bit of friction. So it's actually like helping blood to put, flow. Yeah, blood flow. So you're, you're kind of helping to facilitate those molecules to penetrate the skin or at least get like absorbed. Um, and it was the most insane thing. It was it was a minute later and I didn't have a headache and I was just kind of mind blown. I didn't say anything because that was a one-time end of one situation where I was like, whoa, did that actually just work? But um, I just recently did it again. And 
it worked again. So I, I, I was just mind blown that this was actually working to get rid of these headaches that I get like all the time that are always in that temple area. And it's kind of a, a game changer for me. Like I'm going to be doing this all the time now. And even in like a preventative way, I'm going to start just putting some on my temples to help prevent a headache from coming. Yeah, like just like working it into your morning routine, just being like in the morning. Also, it is just good in the morning uh, in general, depending if you clench your jaws and stuff at night, which like a lot of people grind your teeth or clench your jaws. Um, There is an artery called the temporal artery, and it goes from like underneath your ear behind your jaw, like up your neck, and then it'll go up there and then it'll go to your temples and then like to your brain and stuff. Um, But like... It's also just, it's great to like do mobility, like every morning, um, also one of my friends is like a vocal coach, et cetera, which is talking a lot about like the health of like your neck, skin, jaw, and like integrity of all that. And that it's good practice just to massage out your jaw area in general, like every morning, like increasing blood flow and all of that. But that absolutely, like it makes sense uh, in molecular mechanism for you to put cannabinoids on that artery. So the temporal, the temporal artery is like a big, it's a big artery that's like right there and it delivers blood all the way up to this area in your brain and on your temples. And it it makes sense that if you were to deliver cannabinoids right there, that they're anti-inflammatory. They're also what's called a vasodilator. Um, cannabinoids make your um, blood vessels expand. That's why you get red eyes. And it's and also... why you might feel like you're going to pass out sometimes after you and use if... cannabis. Yeah. And if you are prone to passing out and having low blood, like blood pressure in general, too, like if you're prone to that, like it's something to be careful about. But another thing you should look into is that if you're prone to low, low blood pressure, if you drink water, you should probably always have salt in it or drink water that has like some form of like electrolytes in it Um, because like low blood pressure can be helped by like increasing like blood volume and for cannabis like I've certainly had times where it lowered my blood pressure and I went to stand up and I was like wow like I'm maybe I maybe grayed out you know you get like the the oh yeah uh, the stars and stuff or whatever but back to like the whole vasodilation of the of just for headaches with with uh topicals is that maybe like maybe a piece of this like the massaging and the topical and everything in this temporal artery um like it's it's helped to get in there and then it helps dilate those those blood vessels and it helps reduce the blood pressure right there and then also possibly by doing that helping like remove some of the whatever molecules are causing the like effect of you know of getting that that headache and i think it's really powerful i mean specifically for headaches too like headaches are complex multivariable disorders like cluster headaches migraines like temporal headaches like there so many reasons why people get them and they're not all the same and most of them um most of them have like this uh part of them where it's, it's like a trigger disorder like you're getting like you're, the headache is being triggered by by something um and i think that that's going along with all cannabis and like the endocannabinoid system in general like i really really believe that the endocannabinoid system's most powerful impact is by reducing um the body's response to a trigger like in general like 
uh, like preventing a flare from. So do you occurring. do you think that is the case with people who have a lot of flare issues because like you're bringing that homeostasis or balance back because you have too many flares, so you're reducing the amount of flares. So maybe in some other people, it might reduce some other chronic thing that they have going on that might not be specifically a flare, although a lot of these conditions are flare disorders of some sort. Right. And like a flare disorder is just something that's chronic. It's something that like goes right. into remission. And then and I mean, you're just trying desperately to keep it into in remission. I mean, you saw me a few like, you know, half a year ago, like there was one flare that then caused like the other flares like mental health, GI, chronic pain issues. Um, because when like when your body gets that dysregulation, it feeds into like a, a loop of of responding and like it's it's really complicated because like yeah in, and with headaches too like it's not always the same trigger and for people who have any type of chronic issue like I'm talking like chronic GI issues like Crohn's or IBS or just chronic or like GERD um, chronic pain of any sort arthritis tendonitis like hypermobility type issues chronic mental health issues any of these neurological issues, headaches are certainly pain. Um, any of these chronic issues, your body is like, um, our bodies are so able to recognize patterns. Like the, the body is just like recognizing a pattern. Like we recognize that pattern super easily. And then it responds to triggers like by going into the same pattern that it knows. And I definitely think that's one of the main advantages of the endocannabinoid system and cannabis in like affecting the endocannabinoid system is um, the the role of the endocannabinoid system is to regulate, like to reduce hyperactivity. Like the entire point of this whole system in the body is to make sure that there isn't like too much of any one type. Actually, it's interesting you say that too, because you're talking about um, the cannabinoid receptors at the base of hair follicles. And I was reading a study that was talking about how uh, those and uh, those cannabinoid receptors could, like if you have overactive hair growth, it, it could help reduce the amount of hair growth or even or even vice versa, if you don't have enough hair growth. it. But I mean, this is preliminary studies. It's not saying like this is the next Rogaine or the next Nair. But I mean, either way, like that is a system that is dysregulated in some way, whether it's not producing enough hair or it's producing too much hair. Uh, those cannabinoid receptors that are located at the base of that follicle are helping control the rate at which that hair grows. That is so interesting. And I need to, I need to like... I'm trying to like do an investigation of where I had this like intense burn, but it's crazy. I can't. Yo, we should like, we should draw little squares put... on our skin and put it <laughs> on. And then, and then maybe I should like shave my arm and then do two squares. One with no topical, one with top. I, um. Maybe that's a bad time to do it right now. Right before, before summer. summer. Another, another time <laughs> we could try to do this, uh, we, we should do shaving, but we also could, like, epilate them out, like, fully remove the hair follicles from there. Oh, and then wow. Um, also, if anyone is balding, like, please try it and, like, let us, let us, yeah, know. Let us know. I'm super curious about that. But Although, what if it, what if it makes it worse for them and then they lose all okay, their Okay, sorry. Hair don't do that. We don't advise. Don't we do don't that. advise we'll, anyone. We'll be, the, we'll be the first. We'll be the N of two yeah. to start. Um, but I'm and about this burn thing. I'm trying to look for the part of my arm that I treated with the topical. Remember I had that huge like breakthrough like last year where I was like, oh my God, 
I, tr- I like treated this burn with topical. And so the CB1 receptors are at the hair follicles and it like loosely, there's this paper, um, that again, preliminary information, the paper said that activating the CB1 receptors, like basically keeps these stem cells alive. It like keeps the cells alive that regulate your skin health. So I had this like pretty intense burn. I was like learning how to charcoal grill. I'm better at it now. Um, and I had this like pretty intense burn where I had just been like resting against the charcoal grill, like, you know, not realizing it. And then was like, oh shoot, like I'm resting against this grill and I put topical on it and it was it healed so strangely it was so interesting because you could see where the hair follicles were those cells didn't die like because I was treating it with topicals um, That's so and, cool. and it had like dots on it where where the hair follicles were and it healed from the outside in but because those hair follicles were alive each one of those was like an outside seed point to like heal the skin. And I'm looking for it to try to see if there's any hair growing on that part, but I can't tell because there's no scar. Wow. So I didn't, I don't have a scar there. And I didn't realize because there used to be a scar there when I first, actually, you know what it might be right here. Is that a scar? I, I can't tell. Honestly, I can't tell. And then I did a control experiment, which is like, also, these are, <laughs> these are things that are happened to me on accident. And so like, this is, that's what's happening. I was again grilling with the charcoal grill and I was resting the spatula against my arm with, or not the spatula, but yeah, the spatula. I accidentally like was resting the spatula against my arm and didn't realize it. And the spatula was hot. So it was like a smaller thing. And then I was like thinking this happened right after um, the other charcoal grill incident happened. And I was like, oh, in this one, I won't put the topical on it and we'll see. And I do have a scar from that one. And it was much smaller and there's definitely still hair growing there, but it was, you know, it was much smaller. And I guess it was on a different point of my arm. So like, you know. Still interesting. Like, yeah. I mean, these are all, again, like these are things that like should still be investigated. Like cannabis and the effect that cannabis has on the skin, especially like anti-inflammatory stuff. Like we live such inflammatory lives. Like there's, there's no easier, there's no other way around it. Like our society and the way that we live and the amount of stress that we do. And I was going to say stress and food. Yeah. We're on the same page. Just constant. Even the fact that most of us sit all day long, that that's pretty terrible for your body as well. And like, we are not meant to be that way evolutionarily. Um, and so we live really pro inflammatory lives. Like we, a lot of us have a lot of systemic inflammation and the skin being this like giant way to modify that inflammation. I mean, I think it's, I think it's incredible and it's like something that we should definitely explore. And certainly for people who have not just disorders of the skin or joints or anything like localized, um, but anything that, you know, it's worth, I think it's worth trying. Um, because again, like it's, not these are not harmful molecules we know that they do absorb and we also have heard i mean i've heard qualitatively from i mean when i first started doing tiktok one of my first videos was on topicals and someone responded back to me and was like i always thought that this was like bunk science but because i listened to the i heard saw your video on it and then like i did a live where i was explaining like hey like use them often and a lot and like also another thing um after showering is a great time to put on lotions or topicals uh your body is warm 
Oh, also, just speaking of like TikTok videos about topicals, because um, we've both made TikTok videos about topicals, but um, we, I made this like mini series on how anything's a topical. And I think that like blew a lot of people's minds. If you already have a CBD product, you can add that to a lotion that you have at home, or you can directly add it to your skin and you're still gonna get a lot of the benefits of that product. So just because it's a tincture that is made for like under your tongue or added to a drink or food, doesn't mean that it has to be used that way. Like those have the active ingredients, they are safe for you to use. So you can just put them either mix very quickly in a lotion you already have, like an Aveeno lotion or something else, and just add it to your skin or add it directly. Um, and then another thing, um, Miyabi was talking about hypersensitivity to things on your skin. If you are worried that you aren't going to react well to a topical, instead of putting it on your whole body the first time, just take a little bit and just put a drop on your skin, like maybe on the um, underside of your forearm and just put a little bit up there and just see what happens. Just wait a half an hour, make sure that it's gonna react well. And if it reacts well on that little patch, just like a little patch test, then you can add it to other parts of your body. But you don't wanna be in a situation where you have a bunch of product all over your body and it's difficult to get off and you're having some sort of inflammatory episode, uh, you definitely don't want to create discomfort for yourself. So it's kind of a good way to just test out any product, whether it's a cannabis topical or a topical you get from your doctor or a topical you buy at Walgreens, whatever. Uh, it's good to do a little patch test for sensitive skin. That's such a good point because another thing to bring up about sensitive skin and topicals is that like a lot of these things have a lot of stuff in them. Um, and you don't need a lot of stuff to make a topical. Like, for example, like um, I like to do a lot of my like homemade DIY stuff in coconut oil because coconut oil is a great topical and you can eat it and you can, you know, cook with it, etc. Uh, you could bake with it at low temperatures, all sorts of things. So like anything is a topical. Um, and again, if you have really sensitive skin, like I would definitely advise to like use a minimal um, I mean, perhaps maybe I just advise in general that if you're sensitive to like not use things that you can't read on the back. Like for me, I, if I read the back of like a label of something and like, um, I mean now at this point, cause I'm, you know, been in biochemistry and chemistry, like I'll read the back of a label and, and I, I understand what it means. Um, but if I read something and I read an ingredient and I don't know how that ingredient came to be in the world, then I don't really want to put it on my skin, but that's because I'm like super sensitive. This is just a me, this is just like a me thinking about me thing. Like I'm much more likely to use a topical that is just coconut oil, even if the the feel of it is a little bit. I One thing I will say is I'm very sensitive to the way like topicals feel after they get put on the body. I uh, don't like them to be super oily. <laughs> So, I mean, that that is such a good point about like simple ingredients. So like when you're looking yeah. at the ingredients of the topical, when you see things that you don't really understand what they are, maybe they have a very like chemically name, like they have benzo or phenol or something like that in the name. Um, a lot of times that those like strange name things are gonna be surfactants, emulsifiers or preservatives. So if you have a product that doesn't have a preservative in it, it's a good idea to keep that product in a fridge because Great it's point. going to be in a dark environment and it's gonna be kept cold. And we know that light, oxygen, 
and temperature are like the three things that are going to destroy your product the quickest. So it's a good idea to keep them in your fridge because they're like very well protected from the elements. So if you don't have a preservative, it, it will preserve your product the best. But the surfactants and emulsifiers are going to be these additional products that are going to help get your active compound into that product. It is not necessary if somebody like learns to formulate with things that are compatible with the active ingredients. If you're using fatty ingredients like coconut oil and shea butter, the fatty cannabinoids are going to go into these matrices so much easier than if we use something like a gel because gels are water-based and the cannabinoids do not mix well with water. So if we wanted to add them to a gel, we would have to use additional components like surfactants and emulsifiers to get it into solution. Whereas if we just look at the chemistry and choose the matrix based on that chemistry, we can avoid using a lot of these additional ingredients. Yeah, and I just want to say that we're not saying anything bad about any of those other ingredients because they've a lot of them have been tested, like they've been used in tons of skin products, like all the all the way like this, like you know that's um that's something that's like they are safe and uh, although I mean like with sunscreen it's like mm, they are <laughs> they are and they've been tested and we're not saying we're not saying that like that's that it's it's bad necessarily at all. Um, I think like what I'm like, what we're just trying to point out is that anything can be a topical. And so it doesn't necessarily need to be that complicated. And the, the reason why those things are that way is because of things like preservatives or the ability to, um, to feel a certain way, like, like creams that feel like silky and stuff. Like that's a lot of the reason why, like, um, you know, even toothpaste and shampoo and laundry detergent, et cetera. I mean, we don't need to have all of these chemicals, um, it's just more convenient. Uh, and so that's why <laughs> it's, that's why it's happened. Um, and again, like, this is just a reality. I'm not, we're not saying that it's like not safe or anything. It's just pointing out how many chemicals are in our, our lives. And, um, when it comes to topicals, I want to put a topical on my body that I can eat. That's essentially how I, how I feel about it. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a good rule of thumb, I think. So yeah, like when you're looking for topicals, um, like to purchase, like, um, maybe you have different things that matter the most for you. But I think both Miyabi and I would look for things that have pretty simple ingredients. Um, they're not always going to be lab tested often. They won't because again, like those tests are really expensive to run to see like permeability and, and stuff like that. But maybe look if it even like reports the amount of cannabinoids, if you're looking for a, a cannabis topical, a lot of them don't. Um, a lot of them will just say like a general number for amount of like, maybe it'll say like, like a thousand milligrams of, of hemp extract. Like that's pretty, that's pretty variable. What does that mean? Like what compounds constitute that thousand milligrams? And what percentage? And what percentage? So I think it's really good when companies break it down a little bit further um, for you to actually understand. I think that would be important to me. Um, and then, yeah, just, just think about how like, transparent that company is with that topical are they just are they just selling it to sell it or are they doing anything different um those are things i would look for 
And then the last thing I would look for is whether or not it was made with isolate or with like a full spectrum extract, because if it is made with isolate, you, it still is likely like, I, I think topicals are great. And if it's made with isolate, I would just use 10 times as much. Um, I would use a lot more of it because if it's made with isolate, specifically I'm talking CBD topicals are largely made with isolate these days. And, uh, THC topicals are often made with distillate, which is like very, very similar same as edibles are often made with distillate. So just like, just a reminder to listeners, the, the isolate is just only CBD in it. It just, they take CBD and then they put it into like a cream base. And then that is what you're administrating to your skin. It's, it's, it doesn't have the diversity of compounds that other products have that have like the full spectrum of compounds um, in your product. And as we were just talking about earlier with the skin and how complicated the skin is and how complicated um, all of these different receptors that are interacting with one another are, um, that is something that like for us, like in terms of talking about chemodiversity, this is one of the advantages that comes with natural products that are not um, present at, in isolated formulations, not that they aren't beneficial. They certainly are and can be beneficial. They're just like a little bit different. So those are just things that um, I think are are important. And then again, like the last thing about topicals to like, if you're wanting to give topicals a try, like please think about when you put it on as a, as a dose. And like Riley mentioned, it's good to know how much as well, right? Because in general, um, I think when you're taking like any sort of like topical um, product that for me, like in general for me, <laughs> Uh, what I've thought of as like a minimum to deliver is something along the lines of like 10 to 20 milligrams uh, in a in a topical. And that's just from my personal experience and everyone, everyone is going to be different. But depending on that topical, on what they tell me, how much is in there, that's how I know how much I need to, how much I need to use because I don't feel an effect until I get to that. So I recently, um, you know, had like a massage oil and in that massage oil, it turns out that I needed to use like a quarter of the bottle and that's okay. I just have to know that I have to like apply the quarter of the bottle, hopefully in the course of like, you know, course of like a day. Um, and actually that's a great amount for massage oil. Cause you use quite a bit of massage oil when you give massages. And, um, uh, so it's, it's different. And I think it's just, it's useful when we're talking about it and figuring out what is and isn't going to work for you. Again, we always talk about this, like writing things down. And so, trying different products. And unfortunately, we always talk about this, but like cannabis products are expensive. And that is, yeah. it's just a product of the industry. There's so many things that go into the industry of like, you have to, you know, you have lawyers, you have cannabis tax, you have all this stuff. So things are going to be expensive. Um, but if you have the funds and you have the availability, trying, um, maybe you start with a full spectrum or you try what some sort of product. And if that doesn't work, you try a different one. And if that doesn't work, you try a different one or you change up your dose of a product. You start with low and then you go to medium, then you go to high dose. Um, you're going to, you might have to experiment a little bit with yourself um, to see what would work best. So it, it likely is not going to be the same experience as like a pill where you're told what dose and then you take that dose and then you feel the effects from it, right? You're going to need to find that dose for yourself and you might need to find the right product that works for you. Um, and then, you know, that's what you stick to. That's what's going to work for you for a certain time of your life. And as Riley mentioned, if you want to try the bit, like the, the minimum with the lowest, like barrier to entry, like we're big believers in DIY 
experimentation and stuff. And like Riley mentioned, anything, anything can be a topical so long as it doesn't, I mean, you want to read what's in it so that you know um, if it is going to affect your skin or if you want to just like do like a little patch test or whatever. But uh, I mean, if you already happen to have some sort of oil, most, most oils can be used as a topical, right? Or most oils can be mixed in with like a lotion, like you mentioned. And um, it's, that's a lower barrier to entry way of giving it a try and then finding out if it really works for you um, to try other things or, you know, whatnot. But that's, that's a way that you could try it, um, you know, maybe perhaps with something you even already have around. So yeah, I mean, this is just, I think it's, I think for a lot of things, it's worth trying specifically localized areas localized discomfort yeah and i and i still just love what you said about like you know you put things on your skin that you would want to put in your body too uh we i just i think people just think of their skin as so like separate from the rest of them but it is part of your body and you should treat it as part of your body i mean you I, i'm not going to say anything in particular but i am amazed the people slap the things that people slap on their skin with just okay. like with no thought about it. And it's like, oh my gosh, you're just like layering these chemicals on chemicals on chemicals day after day. And like, that is going into your body. We all have microplastics in our blood anyways, so. Ew. <laughs> this wraps up our second season of Smoke and Science. We hope you enjoyed it. Thank you so much to all the listeners who are supporting us in what we do by leaving reviews, following us on social media, and buying our products and directly contributing to our ability to continue to do this research and education. Yeah, huge shout out to everyone who lifts us up. You all are the earliest adopters of new cannabis technology, and we're so excited to be on this journey with you. We've already recorded some of the third season, and without giving too much away, it was a blast, and we have some great guests and topics lined up. And if you like this podcast, our team, and our goals with research, education, and ending the stigma, please consider supporting our company by following us on social media at Smoke and All, at Profound Naturals, and take it to the next level. Give our products a try. Let us know what you think. You can find them at www.profoundnaturals.com. People say our products are different, and that would make a great gift for anyone. So consider getting something for a family or friend as well. From experienced users who appreciate the difference to people who are completely new or just curious to try a cannabis or a hemp product. So thank you so much, everyone, and we'll see you on the next season of Smoke and Science. <laughs>